Let me just say this. If Aaron Rodgers comes back and plays a single snap in any of the three remaining games for the New York Jets, the New York Jets, a franchise that does more stupid things than almost any other franchise in the history of the NFL, yeah. would be doing the stupidest possible thing they can do. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Chasing It. Trey Wingo here with Chase Daniel on the 33rd team. So week 15 Sunday is in the books. And Chase, I I'm kind of reminded in one of the biggest games of the day, like that line from uh, The Godfather Part 3, Al Pacino, just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Yeah. Except it's the opposite. Just yeah. when you want to believe in the Dallas Cowboys and they finally got it figured out, they beat two teams with winning records, at home in Seattle, they pounce on Philadelphia. They go up and get their asses handed to them in Buffalo. This game was not close after one mistake by the Dallas Cowboys where a uh, potential block punt turned into a roughing the kicker that set up the drive to continue for the Buffalo Bills. And Buffalo absolutely crammed it down their throats. So Buffalo, just when you're done believing in them, they do something like this. And Dallas, just when you start believing in them, they lay an egg like this. I was on the bandwagon, man. I was on the Dallas bandwagon. Look, I had understood that the splits at home and away for Dallas, completely different team. At home, they're 7-0, and averaging 40 points a game. On the road, they're 3-3, three and three, only averaging 24 points a game. 3-4 and uh, four now. Yeah, 3-4 and four now. Um, and so it was just, man, it was a bloodbath out there, honestly. And the best way to describe it, in my opinion, is that the Bills just bullied the Cowboys. Like, they Absolutely. beat them at their own game. They ran the ball down their throats, over 260 yards rushing. James Cook went off career day in every single category. And that's really the story of the game for me is like, hey, when you look back and you see what happened in this game, this offensive line for the Buffalo Bills that we don't talk enough about just took it to the defensive line. Like, didn't Josh Allen had seven uh, completions? Seven completions. If you would have told me that before this game started and you asked if they would have won, I'd say absolutely not. But James Cook, career day, and I still go back, man. I go back to their change in offensive coordinator. And not only the change in offensive coordinator Brady, but the change in offensive philosophy. Like, you could see right. that Sean McDermott had a hand in this whole thing saying, hey, we're going to get our shit together on defense, okay? If you can just run the ball, play keep away, make Josh Allen not lose us the game, he can make some superhero plays every once in a while, which he did a couple times a day with his legs. He's the first player in NFL history in, with 10 games in a season of one rushing touchdown and one passing touchdown. He made history today, and he completed seven passes, and they blew him out. Like, it's just, man, all I know is, like, this, this Bills team, like, don't let them in the playoffs right now. The way yeah. they're playing, yeah. the way they're playing, don't let them in the playoffs. And then you look at the other side of the ball and the Cowboys, and you're just like, you had one thing to do. You had one thing to do. That's go up to Buffalo in a hostile environment and keep it close. Maybe get a win. They got embarrassed, Trey. It was an embarrassment. Forget the one seed. Forget the MVP for Dak Prescott. Like All that because of this loss is completely off the table right now. Yeah, I mean, just, just to sum it up, you mentioned James Cook, a career day. He had 221 yards by himself combined rushing and receiving. That's more than the Cowboys' entire team 
they had uh, under 200 yards of total offense. So th this is the kind of egg we're talking about. And I know some people are going to say, well, the Cowboys had that stomach bug that went through the team. And I understand that. that That is a problem. But they got it shoved right up there, you know what, okay? There were five drives, five scoring drives in this game of at least 11 plays for the Buffalo Bills. Wow. This wasn't complicated. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, overly thought out. It was just, we're going to shove it right up your ass. And that's exactly yeah. what they did. 11 plays, 11 plays, 12 plays, 11 plays, 15 plays. This was bully ball at its finest, and, and the Cowboys simply had no response. Well, that's, that's what I'm worried about. Not worried about, but like you have to ask the question, and I'm asking right now, like, have teams found a way to keep Dak Prescott and that offense off the field and to be able to run the ball down their throat? Because, look, as I'm watching this game uh, from my perspective, I'm looking at it in offensively on, on Buffalo. It's not like it's like two types of runs. It's not like it's inside zone left or outside zone right. It's power. It's counter. It's duo. It's reverses. It's jet sweep. Like every type of way to keep them off, off Kelter. And they could never even like get to a point where they could like handle it. And that's the thing. They ran out of, they ran the ball out of nickel a lot. So yeah. you have these four down linemen, all these linemen just want to rush the quarterback. Dallas is not a really heavy pressure team. They're a big man pressure team. So they said, Hey, let's get light boxes. Okay. We're going to pass versus heavy boxes. We're going to run versus light boxes. And sure enough, every other play, it was Josh Allen checking at the line. Okay. Let's run this. Let's run that. James cook 10, James cook 20, this and that. And even their backups, like it's just, I mean, give it, give it to like the, the Buffalo bills offensive line though, because this is a game sure. that you have been talking about the whole week and I guarantee you it's a game where Sean McDermott went into the offensive line room and said, we are riding your back and talked to every single offensive line. You guys got to be dirty. You guys got to play hard. You guys got to play physical. We're going to run it almost 50 times. And that is what we're going to do. And we're going to continue running it. One of these 11 play drives are in nine straight times and got down to the 10 and they threw it in. Like all this stuff is wild to me. Like you love to see it. You love to see the, 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 the really the, the whole thing demeanor of the team change too on defense oh. when you're okay like when they're running the football first of all trey as you as you know but a lot of people don't like you're resting your defense so when your defense Correct. is out there for short periods of time they're fresh they're fresh okay you handle the ball for 35 minutes of the game you, you only got to play defense for 25 like it just it's just it's, it, it seems easy but the way they're doing it the way they're executing it is flawless right now there's nothing more demoralizing than a team basically saying to you we're not going to do anything fancy. We're just going to run it right at you. There's not a damn thing you can do about it. I mean, th yeah. there's a great story of Hall of Famer Larry Allen. When he came out of the huddle, and uh, Justin Tuck uh, told this story when he was playing for the Giants. When, La when Larry Allen, uh, Hall of Fame offensive line for the Cowboys, knew that a play was coming his way, he'd come to the line and go, whoop, whoop, like this, which means I'm going to bury you. They're running right behind me, and I you can't stop me. You can't stop me. And that's exactly what the Buffalo Bills did to the Dallas Cowboys. They basically Larry Allen, whoop, whoop, the Dallas Cowboys the entire game. I mean, there's nothing story. more demoralizing than just saying, like, shit, they're just running it right at us, and we can't do anything about it. So I, I do agree with you. I think Dak's MVP candidacy might have died in western New York on Sunday afternoon. Here's yeah. the problem for the Cowboys. We know how good they are at home. 15 straight home games, uh, longest active streak in the NFL, winning home games, second longest in franchise history behind 18 straight. The only way they get a home playoff game is if they win the division. They fall to 10-4. and four. Now, it's very possible Philadelphia could lose 
uh, Monday night when they play in Seattle because we're not sure what's going on with Jalen Hurts and they're banged up and all kinds of stuff and Seattle's got to have this game. Here's the Cowboys' remaining schedule. Uh, They go to Miami on Christmas Eve. Mm. Then they're home for the Lions and then they're at the Commanders. I'm going to give them the Lions. I'm going to give them the Commanders. I'm going to give them the Commanders because the Commanders will have nothing to play for and I think Dallas is going to still potentially have something to play for. Can they take care of the Lions at home? I think they can. So that leads us to this one thing. This game next week for the Dallas Cowboys is everything. If they want to have any shot, and I mean any shot, of getting a home playoff game, they have to go down to Miami and take care of a Dolphin team that just obliterated the Jets, which we'll get to in a minute, without Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I mean... Look, it, it, it's crazy. Like, I, honestly, like, I would even say that I, I don't know if they're going to be able to beat the Lions. Like, because the yeah. way the Lions are Well, playing, it's at home. It's at home. It's at home. Yeah. So, look, the Cowboys and, are a different – they're a different animal at home. That's yeah. why I'm looking and, at it. And what's crazy, too, about this, about this Miami game, um, Trey, that you didn't mention, too, is that the Dolphins are still in play for the one seed in the AFC. Correct. So, they have a lot Correct. to play for as well. Correct. So it's not like, hey, you know, we're winning our division. We're just going to, like, chill out. It's going to be some fireworks put on display in Miami with both those crazy offenses. It's going to be who, who – it's going to come down to who plays the best defense, right? Like, can you handle yeah. Tua? Is Tyreek healthy? Jalen Waddle went off today. Um, Dallas, can you get back to playing sound defense because you were one of the best defenses in the league till you got, you know, put 31 on you today? Uh, by Buffalo, um, and, and you know, I mean, Raheem Mostert in Miami, 20 touchdowns, leads the league, 20 rushing touchdowns. Yeah. So, like, they're going to run the ball. Franchise it's not record be to a, Miami. Yeah, yeah, franchise record. It's not going to be, hey, we're just going to throw the ball. It's going to be a heavy dose of the run, especially after what Buffalo put on tape today uh, against, against Dallas. All right, so here's the Buffalo equation, right? As good as this win was, for them to get into the playoffs, they're going to need some help. Basically, the best-case scenario for the Buffalo Bills is this. Miami loses one of their last two games before they play the Buffalo Bills in Miami. Buffalo beat them 48-20 to early in the season up in Buffalo. This game's down in Miami. The, the Bills' remaining schedule, Saturday, they're at the Chargers. Easton Stick doesn't feel right for the Chargers. Then they go to New England, the lowest scoring offense in the NFL, and then they get Miami. The, the best scenario for Buffalo is for them to win the division. That's their best playoff hope. Because of the way yeah. this thing is stacked, and, and all these other teams yeah. that are eight and six right now in the AFC, so the best scenario for Buffalo to get in is for them to win those three remaining games. Hope Miami loses at least once more before they play in the regular season finale in Miami. Because if that doesn't happen, as good as Josh Allen and the Bills are playing, they still might find themselves out of the postseason. Which is crazy to me because that's what you said before we started this call. Like they, they literally. They don't control their own destiny. And that's what you hate to see when a team's playing like this. But it becomes from the early season struggles. Like, you got to live with what you put on film and what you put on tape. And, yeah, it is an interesting road ahead for for the Bills. I mean, and like you said, you got to hope that Miami, like, loses to Dallas probably um, and that that Buffalo wins out. Like, there's so many situations that could play out. Like, it would just be a shame, though, right? Like, if the Bills, the way they're playing, the way they figured it out, like, they are for sure – at this point, like one of the top eight teams in the NFL, the way they're playing. And just because of the way it's settled and the way it's figured out and the way they played early in the year, the position they put themselves in, if they win out, there's a chance that they don't even get in. Like that's the yeah. crazy thing. 
like that's a crazy yeah. thing and and it's just um it's a shame honestly because because I, I think they've sort of figured it out what they want to, i mean it took long enough for buffalo to figure right. it out but they figured it out who they are on offense who they are on defense this is the team we have going forward and all it took was one fire of an offensive coordinator to yeah. galvanize your team and squad like we see all the time and sure enough it's happened yeah, and listen, here's why everything is still crazy. Because heading into this Sunday, and I think it still holds, the two teams with the toughest road to the end of the season are the top two seeds in the AFC. Yeah. Baltimore has the toughest schedule. Miami has the second toughest schedule based on opponent strength, uh, wins and losses. The three last three games for Miami, Dallas, Baltimore, and Buffalo. So, like, as crazy as, as good as it's Jeez. been for Miami and Baltimore at this point – Literally everything is still in play yeah. in the yeah. AFC, the way these things are stacked. And that leads us to our second topic of conversation here, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs. They avoid a three-game losing streak. By the way, the last time a team quarterback by Patrick Mahomes lost three games in a row, he was playing in Lubbock, Texas for the Texas Tech Texas Red Tech. He just he do, They don't lose three games in a row yeah. with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. Teams just don't do that. They take care of New England as they should have. It was a little bit sloppy and a little bit closer than it was, 27-17. I mean, Butker missed his first field goal or first kick of the year. Uh, that, that stopped them from going up 10-0 early. They're cruising up 27-10, looking to just put the woodshed on New England and get out of there with an easy win. And then Kadarius Tony, Kadarius Tony. It's so bad right now. Like, Chase, it is so bad. Another interception right off the hands, just like in week one, the pick yeah. six that led to the win for the Detroit Lions. It was that interception off a perfectly thrown ball by Patrick Mahomes to Kadarius Tony that led uh, to a, a touchdown that put the Patriots back in it. The Chiefs defense shut them down. Bailey Zappi and company could do nothing. Uh, the special teams played did a great job pinning them literally on the one-inch line yeah. on a punt. Yeah. But, but it, it was a Kadarius Tony play that allowed this shit to happen again. Directly after the week before, where he lined up offsides, negating one of the greatest plays in the regular season that we've ever seen, <laughs> the Travis Kelsey gadget lateral to Tony, which would have put them out of the Buffalo Bills. And you saw Mahomes on the sidelines. He's like, what the else can I do? Like, what else can I do? Can he actually throw another pass to Kadarius Tony this regular season? I mean, I just don't know if he is going to. I mean, he might have to. But at this point, like, I tweeted out last week after that, um, not, not even the offsides, the drop early in the game for Tony. Like, right, on I second and 12. I feel bad for the guy. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I feel bad for the guy. He's not trying. I don't feel bad for the guy anymore. Like, this no. is your job. Like, it, it, it becomes, like, if you keep continuing to do this, like, you, at some point you can't put him into the lineup. Like, let him return punts. Let him return kicks because he's special with the football in his hands. But you can't trust him. And the Chiefs, once again, had like eight or nine different guys catch passes, which is like a Patrick Mahomes staple. But, yeah. I mean, that you said it, but I'm going to revisit it. That look from Patrick Mahomes when he's sitting there on the sideline, he's like done. dog cussing him. Like, yeah. like, I was like, okay. Like, that, this is a point because Mahomes does not get – that hot very easily but when you continue to drop his passes and when not only you drop his passes okay but those passes that are dropped are tips and overthrows and they lead to interceptions and then yeah. the week you had last week you line up off sides on the greatest play in NFL history that never was it's just you got to you got to really get like as a staff and be like hey let's just pick and choose when we use Kadarius Tony let's give him eight Hand plays it off. Hand it off. Plays. Do a Hand jet it off. sweep. 
Yes, do a jet sweep so he still can get a catch. Just like toss it to him. Like it's so mental for him right now. And rightfully so, because it's just, you see these mistakes in critical junctures of the game, no bigger than last week. But then again, this week they were rolling 27-10. Now they get back into the game 27-17. Not only do you like drop the pass, at least interception, but you piss off the probably the greatest quarterback of all time, like has a chance to right. be the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah. Like that's what I don't want. Like forget this, yeah. forget the drop. Like you're on Patrick's bad side right now, buddy. Yeah. Here's, here's the problem. And it continues to be the problem for the Kansas city chiefs. Rashi rice is a star. Like, this kid is going to be the future for them. But they got to yeah. find somebody else. Cause here, here's the box score for the chiefs rice, nine catches, 91 receiving yards and a touchdown. Next on that list, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, four catches, running back. Noah Gray, tight end, two catches. Justin Watson, one catch for 31 yards, wide receiver. Travis Kelsey, five catches for 20 yards, really irrelevant. Jarek McKinnon, running back, three catches. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, wide receiver, one catch for 17 yards. Richie James, one catch for 17 yards. Uh, Kadarius Toney, two catches for five yards, and oh, this one more time. Like, there is not another wide receiver that he can look at and say, I trust you, buddy. I trust you to be where you're yeah. supposed to be, and I trust you to make the catch when I throw it to you where you're supposed to be. That is well, that is such yeah. a limiting feeling, Chase. For you, you've been through this. You know, guys, when you're when you're playing, I can trust this guy, and I can't trust that guy. And then you're looking to try and do one other thing instead of the the thing that should be the easiest. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, like. Mahomes has done a really good job of just trying to trust his guys because he's given him multiple chances, four more drops oh my today. God. It's not like he's like yeah. not throwing to him because he is a guy that trusts the offense. The ball will go where it goes because that offense dictates it. But like, I just think of this whole thing, like at least he has Rasheed Rice. And I'm thinking, yeah. well, Rasheed Rice is a rookie. So we're yeah. saying at least you have Rasheed Rice. Like that just goes back to tell me like, yeah, Kelsey's going to get his, but he was bottled up today. All right, if yeah. the run game's not going, who are you going to trust? Rasheed Rice still has some drops, still has this. And it just goes back to the organizational failure not to get a receiver, not to get another yeah. true number one receiver. Like, like yeah. they, they put it out in training camp that, hey, like, we trust these guys. We trust Sky Moore. We trust Kadarius Tony. It's going to be awesome. And nope. I, I believed them because why wouldn't we? Because they were great without Tyreek the year before. They had Juju, lost Juju. And then all of a sudden now it's this year and you're 15 weeks in and you're like, I wonder what would happen if they actually had a true number one receiver. Like, they wouldn't have five losses right now. There's no way. Hell no. There's Hell no way. No. That's the only thing holding their offense back. Yeah, look, I was giving Tony a pass week one because he had missed most of training camp, right? He had a horrible yeah. game against the Lions. This has been a season-long issue for him. Okay, so here's the Chiefs' remaining schedule. And there's no reason for them not to finish 12-5. and five. There's no reason. Two of their last three games are at home. They get the Raiders at Arrowhead. Then they get the Bengals, who are playing really well uh, with Jake Browning at Arrowhead. And then they're at the Chargers. So that's Aiden O'Connell, Jake Browning, and Easton Stick. There, there's, no, there's no reason, outside of the Chiefs shooting themselves in the foot, for them to finish 12-5. and five. And with all the shit that's gone sideways, that has the potential, potential, to either be the one seed or the two seed because they hold the tiebreaker over Miami, they hold the tiebreaker over, over Jacksonville. They have the potential, the potential to even possibly end up with the one seed if they just stop 
making. It's like the line from Scrooge. Would you please stop the goddamn hammering? Would you please stop the damn mistakes? If you just do that, it's still all there for them. The question is, because it's been all season long, we have no idea if they're going to be able to do it. Well, and that's the thing. That, that's, that's sports. That's why you love sports, and that's why – you continue to hope that they're going to break out of this cycle, especially on yeah. offense, right? Who knows if it's going to happen. But a little bit about the de- the defense hasn't played as well as of late either. Like, that's not what we're talking Like, this team this team was getting carried by its defense at one point Their in the defense first half. is still playing well enough. They're still playing Bailey well Zappi, enough if the offense just yeah. does their job. But Bailey Zappi was 14-19, 150 yards in a touchdown at one point in the game. <clears throat> Bailey yeah. Zappi. You know, and it's just like – how how long can this defense continue to hold on while this offense tries to catch up? And look, I'm a big Mahomes fan. And at the end of the day, if you have Mahomes, you got a <clears throat> shot, right? Yeah. But he needs other people to step up. He needs Travis Kelsey to find a way to step up because he's been bottled up to his number one guy. You got to find ways to get him the football in situations where he he had a like almost looked like a drop touchdown pass. Uh, well, he did have a drop touchdown pass today that Mahomes yeah. put perfectly. It was a double post, put it over, dropped it. Okay, like Taylor Swift was there. She was upset. She was cussing out the cameras, like all that stuff. It was wild. I was like, oh, my God, we got to talk about this on the show because she's become like a legitimate football fan. But find ways to get your playmakers involved. Get Isaiah Pacheco back from injury. Clyde Edwards-Lair is playing well. But it's just I just yeah. don't know if they have enough weapons. Like, I just don't know if they have enough weapons. If they had one other receiver with two functioning hands or the ability to run the right routes, it might be enough. But we don't know if that's the case. All right, as we mentioned, backup quarterbacks have been a thing this year. I mean, it's been absolutely remarkable. And perhaps nobody's played better than Jake Browning. Uh, Jake Browning uh, registered that remarkable comeback uh, in the fourth quarter against the uh, Vikings. Uh, They were down at one point double digits in the fourth quarter. They scored 21 fourth quarter points to get it to overtime. Jake Browning is is really like we all sort of said when Burrow went down and by the way now we don't know what's going on with Jamar Chase he's got a sprained yeah, AC joint AC like joint, yeah that's that's a tough one you know we'll see what happens there but if they can continue to win and get in without Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase it's a remarkable story I I do have to applaud Cincinnati for the for the way they've handled this situation Burrow done after that game against the Ravens Jamar Chase has been in and out of the lineup and here they are still in the thick of it. This, this speaks to me to the character of the team and the character. And, and we, we talk about this a lot with coaches. Culture, right? Yeah. And culture's great as long as you fucking win. Culture, <laughs> if you don't win, might as well be a Petri dish where you've got a culture in there and there's yeah. bacteria and staph infection everywhere, okay? Zach Taylor has built a culture that produces wins. And I think he does not get it. He won't win the coach of the year. Not a chance in hell. No. But he needs to be, Zach Taylor needs to be respected for the job that he's doing with a Cincinnati team that has massive limitations right now. Well, and it could arguably be his best coaching job of his career. So Absolutely. Far, a chance. Like, even if they went to the Super Bowl, um, even if they beat Mahomes. Like, I just go back to, like, the culture is great, right? And, and, and that culture started when you drafted Joe Burrow. And they built Correct. everything around Joe Burrow. They brought in that big offensive line. Uh, finally, he's playing a lot better. 
Um, they were like one of three offensive lines until Kappa got hurt that had played the entire season together. So that was good. But also, like, just speak about development, right? And the, what the coaching staff in front office, like the development of players, Jake Browning in particular, a backup quarterback, never played, stuck with him because he, they, were, they thought that he was the best guy for the job, like never, never wavered, never went outside the organization and thought, hey, we need to bring somebody else in. They trusted their evaluation, and not only did they evaluate well, but that, that whole offensive staff sort of shifted gears. And that's what we've talked about a lot before, shifted gears to what Jake Browning does well, because it's not the same what Joe Burrow does well. You see him more under center, play action, Correct. RPO game. He feels really comfortable in the shotgun like he was in Washington. The throw it up to T. Higgins and the T. Higgins reverse around reach Crazy. might have been the coolest play of all time. Like, like it was it was awesome. It just seems so calm and cool and collected, like in the huddle, when things are going awry, like you just don't know, uh, like with him, like if anything's going wrong, he just is so calm and cool collected. But like give give Zach Taylor the credit too on that because he's got the biggest hand in that. And just the, the development of Chase, Chase Brown too, like the rookie yeah. running back is having a balling year. Like all these guys that didn't think they would have a big, I guess, say in how the season went, you know, in training camp, they're like, oh, we're the two and three, you know, we're just trying to do it. They give them credit, man. They stuck with it. They just continued to work their ass off. And right now they put themselves in, a, themselves in a really good position. Yeah. And speaking of putting yourself in a really good position, it is time for the Trey Wingo Chase Daniel portion of the program where we remind everybody once again, we were ahead of the fucking game on Joe, Joe Flacco. Flacco. Okay. Let's we go. said it. We said it week one. And I was scoffed. I have a buddy of mine. That I've worked that I worked with at ESPN for years. Like we started together on the six o'clock Sports Center, then baseball tonight. Then he was in charge of the NFL. When I put out that stuff about Joe Flacco, he's like, "Dude, what are you talking about? He's ridiculous." Oh yeah? Why don't you go take a look again today? Did he throw three interceptions? Yes. Was one of them or two of yeah. them maybe not his fault? Yes. But he also threw for 374 yards, including a strike to Amari Cooper that got them back in the game in the fourth quarter. And then another strike to David Njoku, who did a miraculous spin move, stayed in bounds while, uh, while he was still there to go ahead and get the game-winning field goal with about 36 seconds left. Like, you can scoff all you want. All these quarterback-needy teams that are dying on the vine, they should have picked up the phone and made a call to Joe F. and Flacco like we told them to in frickin' September. <laughs> We told him to in September, and honestly, it would have been for cheap. Like he just wants to play, yeah, and he, he even was so confident. He came out, he came out before the game and said, "I'm not even done for this year. I don't want to retire in 24. I want to play another year in 24." So he's the ageless wonder. But yeah, I mean, of all the throws today, like the Mark Cooper dot was awesome because he fitted in tight window, like classic Joe Joe Flacco. But no bigger to me than the Njoku uh, throw because yeah. it's all it is is a shallow cross. The Bears are bringing, um, which honestly, like, give credit to the Bears' defense. They had been playing really well up to that point. And just the last minute, last fourth quarter was, you know, the fourth quarter. And they, and they bared. They bared it. And, yeah. But, like, they're bringing, like, double-edged pressure. Okay, the Bears are. Flacco's got a guy in his face. You, you have a defensive tackle dropping out underneath the shallow cross. And you're just continuing to buy time, buy time, and just layer the throw over the D-tackle's head. And the D-tackle just watches like, oh, man. And then Joku catches yeah. it and, and stays in bounds, and they kick a field goal. I mean, how many – like, Dustin Hopkins, I, I played with him last year. Like, how many game-winning field goals have the Browns kicked this year, it seems like? It's crazy yeah. to me. And he's made every single one of them. So, yeah, I mean, look, the Browns, uh, it's – 
It's a great story, man. Like, Stefanski, does, he deserves some props for Coach of the Year with what he's done. He's won with four quarterbacks. Like, all yeah. this stuff, if they get into the playoffs, make a deep run. Like, it's an impressive coaching job once again. Absolutely. We'll get into uh, the Stefanski versus someone else who I think is in real consideration for the defensive uh, for the Coach of the Year in a minute. But we have to talk about the end of the game, right? Like, for all the things that Flacco and the Browns did right, the Hail Mary was there to be made. Oh and poor, darn, poor Darnell Mooney. Like, for people that didn't see it, we'll, we'll, we'll run the video. But, like, that's the hardest thing in the world. When that thing comes to your belly and your legs are flying. Like, it landed in his belly and then his knees just knocked it out because he was on his back. Well, great job by Justin Fields, buying time, moving yeah. to his left. Launches a perfect throw. Like, this is what they tell you. Like, hey, throw it up where the, the, the point then comes down in the middle of the end zone. You want two guys in the middle of the end zone. You want a guy on the back line, and you want a guy on the front line. Mooney was the guy on the front line. I mean, it is classic T-Tage Hail Mary. You go up in the middle. The guys try to tip it either forward or backwards, and the Browns guy actually tipped it forwards to Mooney, and Mooney's on the ground. If he would have just stayed up, like, it's the craziest win ever. Like, what a cool ever. ending to the game. And it's ever. just like, man, it's – um, yeah, I, I mean, when that happened, I was like, there's so many guys over there in the end zone, and he had it. And I thought he caught it for a second because I, I looked away, and I'm like, no way. Like, could you imagine yeah. Chicago after Justin Fields that like, come back when he does that? Like, that would have been yeah. crazy, nuts. But, yeah, I mean, been insane. at the end of the day, huge, huge win for the Browns, man. Huge win for the Browns. Again, talk to us about Joe Flacco. The receipts are there from September. Go find them. We're happy to, we're happy to provide you with them. Okay? Yeah. Just, just trust us. We know what we're talking about. And I think it's time to maybe think that, hey, it was a good run for our man, hey. Tommy DeVito. Did you see the Saints every time they sacked him? They were doing this. Yeah. And they were, oh, look, yeah. Yeah. look, it's great when this little thing, these things happen. I had a buddy of mine who's a Giants fan who works in the golf industry. He says, so is like Tommy DeVito good? And I said, not enough information. We'll yeah. find out. Because a lot of times these things go for three or four games and then they become Josh yeah. Dobbs. He went from the pastor not to third string, passed over for the Miami, for the Minnesota Vikings, you know. So yeah. who knows what happens next. But all the Tommy Cutlets and all the, you know, the Jersey stuff and in New York and, hey, the Giants. Let's just pump the brakes a little bit. Let's just pump the well, brakes. Well, yeah, it's a great story, right? Like you got it, well, yeah, his it agent was. kissing his dad and you got his dad yeah. kissing his agent. He, you know, he's Tommy Cutlets, all that. And then when you turn on the film, it's, it's good. It's not great. And, yeah. and I broke him down, and I, and I watched every single um, snap of his last two games. And he's one of those guys that needs to see it open to throw it. He yeah. has done a better job at um, using his feet to maneuver the pocket. So that's been good. But he's missed some pretty wide-open throws. He made an easy corner route throw on that Green Bay game to Wondell Robinson, who's playing excellent for the Giants right now. And, and I called this a little bit. Like, I'm like, I thought that the Saints defense was going to expose Tommy DeVito. And they battered him. They hit him. Like, you could tell they were ready for it. Dennis Allen bringing all sorts of pressure, left, right, center, everything like that. So, yeah, it was a good run. But I, I, think, it's, I think it's about done right now in New York. It is. And speaking of being done in New York, that's a perfect transition to our next, uh, next subject here. You, you, you're good. You. Um, <laughs> with the way things happen today, the New York Jets have officially been eliminated from the postseason. And Adam mm. Schefter had the story out before the games began a couple of days ago that, that Aaron Rodgers has been medically cleared and there's a path for him to come back and play this season. Let me just say this. 
if Aaron Rodgers comes back and plays a single snap in any of the three remaining games for the New York Jets, the New York Jets, a franchise that does more stupid things than almost any other franchise in the history of the NFL, yeah. would be doing the stupidest possible thing they can do. It's, it's the old Ricky Waters line for those of you that are football historians when he was running back for the Eagles and he short-armed a pass late in the game. He gatored it instead of make, going for the catch in a blowout loss. And he said at the podium, for who, for what? And that was the end yeah. of his career in Philadelphia. Let's just yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, if you're Aaron Rodgers or you're the Jets and you're putting that guy on the field less than four months, five months yeah. after, after tearing his Achilles, what are you doing? What are you doing? Who are you serving? You're not serving the team. You're not serving the fan base. You're putting everything that you think you can do next year at risk. It would be the dumbest thing in the world for Aaron Rodgers and the Jets to even contemplate putting him on the field, especially behind that offensive line. Are you kidding me? But nothing, nothing that the Jets do would ever surprise me. And to be quite honest, nothing that Aaron Rodgers would do would ever surprise me because Aaron Rodgers sometimes is a little bit about Aaron Rodgers more than everything else. You don't say. Look, a little I, look, bit. I'm looking at a little bit. I'm, look, I'm looking at our, our rundown, and the question's very simple. Is Aaron Rodgers dumb to come back? You answered it, and I'm gonna say yes. He would be yeah. dumb to come back. There's no reason. Like you said it perfectly. Um Look, the doctors might have cleared him, but the offensive line didn't clear him to play because no. that was bad. Like, it is yeah. – I cannot imagine – like, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say I think there is a 0% chance that he comes back and plays. I think it's all hearsay. I think it's all talk and just – there's – there's Trey, there's no way. There's no way. And if it is – and if there is a way, then we will do an entire podcast on why he's so dumb for coming back. Yeah, if he comes back, he's coming back for him. Yeah. Okay? Has nothing to do with anything else. And if the Jets allow that to happen, they deserve whatever happens to him. Okay? Yeah. Like, you, you, you really want this guy to be your quarterback next year? Tell him there's not a single effing chance in hell he sees the field. Don't even think about it. Don't speak Don't about it on the Pat McAfee show. Don't even utter the words. Don't even use the oxygen to form the words. Because there's nothing good that's going to come out of it. But with the Jets, nothing would ever surprise me. Speaking of surprising, the Houston Texans. They're still in the playoff hunt with an unbelievable win in overtime against uh, the Tennessee Titans, who should never, ever, ever wear the Houston Oil uniforms again. Let's just oh, bury gosh. that. Those, 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 are, those are the property of the, the people of Houston, the fans of Houston, and the team that plays in Houston. Uh, so just stop that now. But for them to come back and win that game, I mean, you, you, you put it in the text stream perfectly, and then I totally tempted it and put it on a tweet, so thank you. Sweet, uh, yeah, do it. No C.J. Stroud, no Tank Dell, no Nico Collins, down 13 points early, and they come back and win. That tells you this is a team, talk about culture, yeah. that the first-year head coach, D'Amico Ryans, is instilled in his players, and they are all in. I don't care it was against the Tennessee Titans, who, by the way, earlier this matter. week went down and beat the – Went out and beat the Miami Dolphins on Monday Night Football, okay? On any given Sunday, two touchdowns late in that game to win that game. It is a statement win, and it makes a statement about the head coach in D'Amico Ryans. Well, and, and you forgot no Will Anderson Jr. either. So yeah, like, no Will Anderson Jr. All your Jr., studs, yeah. and you have yeah. seven sacks on Will Levis. And without, like, so all your studs are out. 
you're starting your third string quarterback, Case Keenum. Like, I know why they went with him because, and I had, had an inkling and I texted him. I was like, hey, bro, this is so funny because, like, we're pretty good friends. I was like, hey, bro, I heard that you're starting and not Davis Mills. He goes, I can't talk to you. You're the enemy now. I go, come on, bro. Like, oh, there's no, no way. And he goes out, throws the pick six early, and just sort of stays with it, man. Just like, does enough. And it makes enough plays outside of the pocket late to win the game, goes down, they kick that field goal in overtime. And it's just, it, it was such a good win because everyone, including Vegas, thought that Tennessee should win that game. I think Tennessee was here by three and a half or four points, including me. I picked the Titans to win because no CJ Stroud, no Nico, no Tank, every, everything like that. And just the culture, you said it, that, that D'Amico has set. And just yeah. the amount of fun they have on the sidelines, man. Like, I was watching the game, yeah. and D'Amico's running around, got that energy, just smiling. Hey, we're good. Don't worry. It's all good. And then to have the walk-off run, because they scored a walk-off running touchdown, rushing touchdown, it gets called back. You get out of yeah. field goal range, get back into field goal range, kick a 50-plus yarder to win it on the road, right in the thick of it. C.J. Stroud will be back next week. Hopefully you get your other guys back soon. Like, it is – as impressive as a win because let's be let's face it Trey without D'Amico Ryan's there like this Texans team probably for the last decade they lose that game and they get smoked they get oh, smoked question. like there's no there's no like faith at all that they're gonna win there's no like good vibe there's none of that and so I just love the fact that they were able to stick with it when down 13 nothing like every everything against you just find a way to win and sometimes the special seasons, as you know, like happen when you win games you're not supposed to. And they were not supposed to win this game. They've won eight games this year. They won three a year ago. They've won three a year ago. And right now they're one spot out of the final playoff spot in the AFC. They're ahead of the Buffalo Bills. They're in the eighth spot. Buffalo's at nine. Here are their remaining games. They got to play Cleveland. They got to play the Titans again. And then what could be really fascinating, because the Colts are sitting as the seven. Indy. Yeah. Right now, they would play Indy in Indy with the season on the line. Where do they play so, the Browns? Well, they play the Browns at home. They play them in Houston. So they get, they get the Browns at home. They get the Titans at home. They have two of their final three home games. Uh, two of their final three games are at home. And then they play in Indy uh, the final game of the Dude, regular season. They got a shot, so man. They, they, abs they absolutely do. So is D'Amico Ryans the coach of the year? Is Kevin Stefanski the coach of the year for all the injuries that the Cleveland Browns have, uh, have endured? Is Dan Campbell the coach of the year? I, I mean, look, there were expectations for Detroit, and they've matched them so far. So great, good for them, and a huge win uh, for them over, over Denver and that defense, which had been really good up until that game. But I kind of feel like the, what Stefanski has had to go through with all the quarterback yeah. changes and what D'Amico has done in year one, to me, those two guys have to be at the top of the list right now. Yeah, D'Amico, D'Amico makes a lot of sense for me, especially if the Texans get into the playoffs, just because of the drastic yeah. turnaround. We talked about this like one of our very first podcasts when CJ was starting to play well. It's like it takes one or two people to change the entire like future of your organization for the next 10 or 15 years. And those two guys have happened to come together at the same time in D'Amico and CJ Stroud. Bobby Sloak, I don't know how much longer he's going to be around. He's probably going to get some head coaching interviews with what he's been able to do in his offense. It's been outstanding. So, yeah, I mean, if, if it ended today, I'm going D'Amico. Like, Savansky's, yeah. in my opinion, I mean, amazing coaching job, especially because he runs the yeah. offense. And he's had to deal with so many of the quarterbacks. But 
maybe Stefanski just for the fact that he went to go out and get Flacco. Like maybe that's yeah. maybe maybe that's the case. You know, tip of the but cap no, I, us, I think I'll it's D'Amico you. in my opinion. Yeah, I think I think yeah. I think for right now it would be D'Amico. All right. So while we're in the awards portion of the program, I think we both agreed that Dak's MVP campaign died in Western New York on Sunday, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right? No shot. Probably. No shot. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. so who is it then? Because we don't have that quarterback that sort of like established himself far above everybody else, although there's yeah. one you like, and we'll get to that. Tyreek did not play, and the Dolphins annihilated the Jets. And I, that, the fact that they annihilated the Jets, to me, does not disqualify Tyreek from the MVP. But I think for him to get the MVP, he's going to have to set the record. And I think with the injuries Monday night and not playing yeah. uh, here, I don't think he's going to get the record. So I think that's why he's not going to be the MVP. So is it Christian McCaffrey? who continues to score touchdowns at an alarming rate uh, since that trade last season. Three more today. Or is it Brock Purdy? Oh, by the way, just real quick here. I got a text from Case Keenum saying, thanks, buddy. So screw you, Chase Daniel. He just texted me back. You're the enemy. I'm not the enemy. So there you have it. Win for me. There you go. There you go. But anyway, (laughs) tell tell me you did that in the middle of the taping. Anyway, so like it's wide open. Is it possible? Is it possible that Josh Allen, who is a touchdown machine, has more total touchdowns in the NFL this year, can actually win the MVP if his team doesn't make the playoffs? No, no. I don't think so. Because even, even even though you might be the best, player in the league because you have the most touchdowns i don't know if it's the most valuable if your team doesn't make the playoffs you know what i mean like like i'm leaning i mean if cmc keeps putting these numbers up like you know how much i love brock purdy right but like cmc like that dude is unstoppable like he put up three more touchdowns a day 20 total touchdowns it's crazy but i think it's it's one and two right now is either brock purdy and cmc or cmc and brock purdy on the same team which is wild to me. Yeah, so, but but to, will they split the vote though? Like, would a Brock would a Brock Purdy well, Christian McCaffrey quarter, split the it's vote? It's a quarterback Allo- award, allowing for somebody else. Like, but who? If it's a quarterback award, who's the guy? Like to me, it, it has to. Be, but but I, I think that a lot of people will say Purdy's great. Four yard throw to to, to Debo. Six yard throw to Ayuk. You're a hater. I'm not a hater. I'm not a hater. I'm saying that's what people will say. So, yeah. you know, and I think Chris, so if it's, if, okay, let, let me phrase it this way. If it's, if it's a quarterback that's going to win the award and it's not Brock Purdy, who is it? Who is it? Well, yeah, I mean, it's not Dak anymore, no. I don't think. Like, and Jalen Hurts, no, right? Patrick Mahomes, they haven't been good enough this year. No. Um, yeah. I can't imagine Tua? Josh Allen winning it. Tua? I mean, Tua, I mean, yeah, I mean. Maybe? Here, here you go. Here you go. One name we're yeah. forgetting. And okay. it's not talked about enough. Do you have, do you have any idea who I'm going to say? Read no. my mind. Jaylen Lamar Hurts? Jackson. No. Lamar, okay, yeah, that's fair. Honestly, 100%. 100% Lamar fair. Jackson. 100%. So he might, it, because of how Dak, it might be like CMC, Lamar, and Purdy. Like top three yeah. right now. That's who yeah. I would guess. Like, like the way Lamar's playing, and he continues to play some of these games down the stretch, which the Ravens, if he wins these next three games down the stretch versus that, versus that uh, schedule, yeah. you, you better be imagine that if they're the one seed, he's going to get some MVP votes for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. But it would be nice every, every 27 years if a non-quarterback wins it, and I think certainly yeah, I mean, Christian this McCaffrey would be, the would, year. would be that guy. 
He would be that guy. Sunday Night Football, the Jacksonville Jaguars do what they do, Chase. They lost another home game. Baltimore Ravens win. Jacksonville falls to 3-5 and five at home. 3-5 and five at home. Can, can, can we take anybody seriously in the AFC South? I mean, I don't know because I thought Jacksonville, at, like a couple weeks ago, was going to be the one seed in the AFC. Yeah. Man, a few weeks have gone by and losses to the Browns and then beating themselves against the Ravens, which you can't do in that Ravens defense. I mean, everyone's 8-6 and six in the South, right? Like the Colts, the Texans somehow with Case Keenum got, got to 8-6. and six. Jacksonville's 8-6. and six. It's just it's – uh, it's an interesting division. I didn't think this division would be this interesting, uh, interesting this late in the season. That is for sure. Okay, so, so what are we to gain from this? Because the one thing I can say about watching this game – is what Bill Belichick always says. More games are lost than won, right? I'm not yeah. taking any way, anything away from Baltimore. And obviously a brutal injury to running back Keaton Mitchell. We hope he's okay, but it didn't yeah. look great in any way, shape, or form. But, but Jacksonville misses two field goals in the first half. Trevor Lawrence inexplicably drops a ball inside the 20, inside the red zone where they had a chance to score. And then right before the half, they run down there, get a completion with no timeouts, he throws it in the field of play. Clock runs out for yeah. They can at least kick a field goal. I mean, this is the definition of a game that is lost more than it's won. Well, this is the definition of, like, the old Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, not, like, not coached by Doug Peterson. So, I have right. no idea why all of a sudden they play a legitimate team. And then they just, like, I, I, I can't, I couldn't believe it. Like, First of all, Brandon McManus is nails. Like, he never misses. And he missed Correct. two in a row. Almost missed the extra point, actually. Almost shanked it left. It barely hooked in. So, he was having an off night. And then, yeah, I mean, the Trevor Lawrence one is crazy to me because he had two fumbles. Like, he's got a fumbling problem. He really does. Like, he always has. And it's just, like, the most inopportune times that these situations come up when you need your quarterback, your star quarterback, to make a play. And he doesn't. Like, you're throwing a flat route with no time left, hoping your guy can get out into cover two and you're throwing it into a cloud corner, of course you're going to get tackled inbounds. Like, that's nine points between the halftime and and just the, the, the two fumbles. Like, it's just uh, – it's tough to take these guys seriously. And especially, it just goes back to like, yeah, look, more more games are lost than won. But, like, you got to give credit to, to the Ravens' defense, man, because they are balling. Like – Matabuike's been amazing. Matabuike's been amazing. He absolutely NFL record. NFL, he tied an NFL record for at least half a sack in 11 straight games, which is crazy. Yeah. Like, I, honestly, I'd never even heard of him before this year. Like, and he burst onto the scene. He's playing three tech. And he's These like, are the things you don't admit dude, in public, by the way. Just yeah, so well, know. dude, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. It's, it's impossible to know everyone <laughs> when you're playing. Now I know him. I broke him down on NFL Network on yeah. Friday because he's having such yeah. a, a hell of a year. So, it just is like in Calvin Noy, like he came out of retirement or semi-retirement going. He's balling five or six sacks. I mean, they're loaded on defense, man. Like it is – and that's the thing. Like we said off camera, I thought Lamar was going to have a good game. He had an okay game. Average some, at best. Lost some, yeah. But they're still winning by double digits. That's how yeah. good this Ravens defense is. I mean – they're not, they not the 2000 Ravens defense, not even close, but it reminds me of how they play, like the physical nature. They're trying to kill you 
every time they hit you. Like, not just tackle you, tackle the ball, everything you do. They choke you out. I mean, Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith was the best thing I think that ever happened to them when he got traded there because he's taken that defense to a whole nother level. All right, so so down the stretch of the season, right? All these teams are on eight and six. Jacksonville, Indianapolis, and amazingly the Houston Texans. Who do you trust the most to close this thing out? Because right now, with this loss tonight, Jacksonville's probability of winning the division, which seemed like a mortal lock a couple of weeks ago, yeah. is down to 50%. I know. And you look at the remaining schedule, right? Like Jags have at Buccaneers versus Panthers at Titans. Okay, so okay. The Colts have at Falcons, Raiders, Texans. Um, that Week 18 game against Texas is going to – but then the Texans have Browns, Titans, Colts. So I think the Texans easily have the hardest schedule. So in my mind, I think you have to trust the Jacksonville Jaguars – like, you got to go – they play better on the road. You go to, to Tampa in Week 16. You go to Tennessee in Week 18. And you got the 2-11 and 11 Panthers coming to yet Week 17. So, I, I think – I mean, on paper, the Jacksonville Jaguars should. But, like, don't count out the Colts or the Texans. Like, if C.J. Stroud no. comes back next week and forget about the schedule. Like, it's going to come down to the wire in this division, which I honestly did not think we would say – this this late in the season? No, like going into the season, we thought the AFC South was probably the easiest division to win for Jacksonville because Houston was in a total rebuild. We didn't know what was going on in Indianapolis. And obviously the Titans have proved us correct and, and they have no idea what they're doing. But this is why the NFL sells hope better than anybody. Yeah. Literally three teams now have an opportunity to not only win that division, get into the postseason, but host a home playoff game between Indianapolis the Houston frickin' Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars are doing everything they can to spit the bit. Yeah. Not good. It's not good, man. And that's the thing, like, Jack, Jack, Jacksonville, I just can't go to the fact, like, the last two weeks and just how they've looked at home. I mean, Trey, three and five at home, I don't even know if they want a home playoff game. That's how Correct. bad it is. Like, just make the, make the wild card and go on the road. You play better away from it. Even in London, it's, it's crazy to me. Five and one outside of Jacksonville, three and five Jeez. inside Jacksonville. We'll see what happens. Chase, thanks.